0: Hello, and welcome to This Thing Called Life, a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about acts of giving, kindness, compassion, and humanity. Your host, Andy Johnson, will introduce you to powerful stories about organ, eye, and tissue donation from individuals, families, and healthcare teams whose experiences will inspire you and remind you that while life is hard, unpredictable, and imperfect, it's also beautiful. We are so happy you're here. Now, let's join the show.
1: Welcome to This Thing Called Life. I'm your host, Andy Johnson, and I want to thank you for listening today, and I hope you are doing well. I have a wonderful guest with me who will share her story that really isn't that uncommon. Uh, Her name is Karen, and like many of us, she lives a very normal life. Uh, She and her husband of over 20 years just dropped off their oldest uh, to college, and she's just kind of adjusting and like, again, many things that parents like us are dealing with and just living her life. However, there is also a part of Karen's story that has shifted some things for her, um, and we're going to learn more about that here in a moment. Uh, But before we do that, I want to remind you, September is BMV Appreciation Month, and I want to take this opportunity to thank our License Bureau employees from all over the country who ask customers each day the very important question, do you want to be an organ donor? That is such an important question. Uh, We value and appreciate the role that you play in really helping others receive a second chance at life. So Thank you again for all of your hard work. So now please join me in welcome welcoming Mrs. Karen Frost to the show. Hi, Karen. How are you?
2: I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank
1: you so much for, for joining us and, and just sharing with our listeners a little bit about you. I really appreciate that. Uh, so let's kick it off and just why don't you tell us a little bit about, about you?
2: So I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York. So I, I'm not from Ohio, which surprises a lot of people. Um, but um, I left home at 17 and enrolled at The Ohio State University. And I, was, I studied business. I graduated in 1997. Actually, it's, fun, it's funny because I, we were the first class that didn't actually have graduation we got rained out. So I graduated. I have a diploma, (laughs) but we didn't have graduation. It was crazy. But um, at Ohio State, I met my now husband, um, Damon Frost. He is from Cincinnati, Ohio, and we have two children, two daughters. One, as Andy mentioned, is a freshman at Tennessee State University in Nashville, Tennessee, and the second one is a junior hmm. in high school at Indian Hill High School. So like Andy also alluded to, we live a very normal life. You know, we live in the suburbs of Cincinnati um, doing normal things. We have season tickets to football. So we do that on the weekends.
1: The Buckeyes. Um,
2: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Go Bucks. That's right. Um, yeah. So that's that's we like to travel and all that good stuff. So that's me.
1: Okay. So tell us a little bit about your health journey, if you will.
2: Sure. So when I was about, when I was a sophomore in college, I was diagnosed with lupus and for anyone who understands lupus, it can impact a lot of different organs in the body. And um, I was lucky enough where my lupus impacted my kidneys So when I was a little bit older and married and, you know, decided I wanted to have a family, uh, my husband and I, well, not my husband, I got pregnant Mm -hmm. and um, we, (laughs) I had a very difficult pregnancy. Okay. And um, we found out after we lost that, that baby, we found out that I had kidney uh, kidney disease. Um, And so we, you know, I found that out because they did a biopsy and they found out that my kidneys were not functioning properly. So that was probably 10, 15 years ago, probably okay. closer to 15 years ago. Okay. No, it had to be longer because I didn't have any kids. Okay. So maybe 17 years ago, it was a while ago, but my kidneys were not functioning properly, but they weren't terrible. Mm-hmm. Um like, I didn't need dialysis. I didn't need a transplant. It was just one of those situations where they said, you know, we're going to have to watch this. So, And at know, that
1: point, did your doctor say, here are some things that you should be doing to help, you know, manage this? Or were there, were there lifestyle changes? Like, how?
2: Um, there were. Mm-hmm. So, the biggest thing was, my family has a history of diabetes as well. Okay, And so um, my doctor strongly suggested that I get my diabetes under control, which I did. But the lupus had a bigger impact on my kidneys than anything. So there really wasn't much I could do to prevent the progression of the disease and how it impacted my kidneys. However, as a lupus patient, you know that stress affects you you know that being tight you know overly tired affects you so i tried very hard to reduce the amount of stress i stressful situations i'd put myself in but again being married two kids (laughs) full time (laughs) job you know that that was it wasn't gonna really be possible so yeah
1: that's um, more than a notion right yes Um.
2: exactly exactly (laughs) so yeah
1: Did your doctor at that time talk about the possibility of needing a transplant at some
2: point? Oh, of course. So the nephrologist I have, and I still have, we have a great relationship. He gave me almost a heads up early on. You know, this may be, this could happen in your future. This is how I see this progressing. I don't see it happening in the next three years, but it could happen in the next 10 years. So yes, he, he mentally prepared me Mm -hmm. for what I'm dealing with today. So it wasn't like a shock, you know, one day he just said, Hey, you're going to have to do dialysis. And I'm like, what, what's that? What do you mean? Right. So he did a good job of preparing me for it. Okay.
1: So Karen, you mentioned family history of diabetes Um, Did anyone in your family, were they ever in need of a kidney transplant because of diabetes?
2: Yes. In fact, my father um, received a kidney donation maybe 15 years ago. Okay. Um, It lasted for about five years and then he had to go back on dialysis, but he um, did receive a kidney transplant. So I also... Watched him go through that, so I had a little bit more understanding when I, in fact, had to go through it myself.
1: And so you said it uh, last. His kidney lasted about five years, and then yeah. went back on dialysis. And so I assume he did not receive a second transplant.
2: No, he he did not. I mean, he okay. felt like he was too old. Uh, hmm. My father, he did pass in December of two thousand nineteen.
1: Oh, I'm so very sorry. He,
2: um, I'm sorry. Thank you. But he decided after the first one, he didn't want to go through that whole process again. He was much more, he felt like he had a lot more control when he was on dialysis
1: mm.
2: for some reason. So mm. That's um, interesting. once that first kidney failed, he just said, I'll just do dialysis. It's fine. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And actually, believe it or not, I've met people who do dialysis with me who have decided they never want a transplant. They'd rather just stay on dialysis. Yeah. Really?
1: And and have they said why?
2: Some people don't want to have to deal with the rigor. There's a lot of things you have to do after you receive a transplant. They're not prepared to do that. There are other people who for financial reasons Mm. can't get a transplant because that's a big part of it. You have to be able to afford the um, medication, and oh, which is Medicare a barrier. Yes, huge barrier. Yes, and Medicare um, doesn't cover everything, right? Um, so, or you know, Medicaid doesn't either. Mm-hmm. So financial is one reason. There, there are a lot of different reasons, but that was a surprise to me because I assumed everybody wanted a kidney transplant, and that is simply not the case.
1: Yes, and I've, I've. Um... I've begun to learn that as well in talking with people. I knew someone who was in their 70s and they needed a second transplant um, and his daughter wanted to donate. But at that point, he felt like, you know, because of his age and just other health conditions, he said, he said, I'm, you know, I'm good. I don't need to do this, you know. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But it's just hearing that people that, are on dialysis and i don't know the age of these of these individuals but you know it's it's just unfortunate that the cost of medication would mm-hmm. you know deter someone from from going down that path you know yes. just, it's it's actually i don't know it's it's just says a lot about our healthcare system which
2: oh yes that's a
1: whole <laughs> o- that's a whole other show yes. <laughs> Yes. But, you know, it's just, we, we should be able to, I, I just feel like, especially with the amount of people that suffer, you know, from kidney failure, that there, there needs to be a, a better, something to help bridge that gap so that people can afford those medications so that they, they can live.
2: Right, you know? exactly. So
1: how long have you been on dialysis?
2: So I've been on dialysis since... May of 2018. Okay. Um and honestly, I should have been on dialysis since 2016 because yeah. that's when my doctor noticed that my blood work and my physical exams and the biopsies indicated that I needed to start dialysis. So okay. that was right around 2016, but I I really really was in denial. Like wow. serious wow. denial. And I didn't want to do dialysis again because I had watched my dad yeah. um, on dialysis. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get stuck with needles. I don't want to have to get up early. That's the whole right. thing. So for two years, I fought it and I was working full time. And when I tell you I got sick every week and I'm, I don't mean like a little cold or a stomach bug, I mean, violently ill every week. And then it just got to the point where there was one day where I was at work at Procter & Gamble and the downtown general offices. And I got so sick that I had to have my husband come and get, because we both work at Procter & Gamble, not in the same area. He Mm -hmm. was in a whole different building, but he had to leave his office, come to where I was, come to the bathroom and basically Mm -hmm. carry me to the car and bring me home like I was oh. so sick and um that next day I said I called my doctor I'm like okay I'm ready I'm tired of fighting wow. um I'm tired of being sick and it was very unpredictable it's not like I eat something or do something and it, ha- it was just randomly I would just get sick so
1: so was that uh, your your body's way or your kidney's way of saying help
2: Yes. So basically what was happening was my kidneys were not functioning. So anytime I ate or drank anything, all those toxins were staying in my body. Right. They weren't being filtered out in any way. So when you have a certain level of toxins in your body, your body just decides, okay, well, if you're not going to, if your kidneys can't get rid of it, we're going to get rid of it one way or another. And it does get, you get rid of it every way you can imagine it comes out, but it will come out, but that's why you get sick. Right. Right. Yeah. So my, the toxins that I was ingesting, I mean, even healthy foods have toxins in them. Right. So I could just, I could have just had a diet of salad and water. Mm -hmm. And I still probably at some point would have been getting sick because of just the different chemicals that are in these foods that build up in your body and they're not supposed to be in your body long-term. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So May, 2018 is when I decided, okay, Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had enough. (laughs) And that was around the time that I left PNG, took an early retirement package and decided to focus on my health.
1: Wow. And you know, what, what a blessing that you're able to do that because like you've said, and just people you've met along the way, you know, there are people who, who don't have that, you know, to yes. be able to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, these uh, many of, many of, of the people who are going through this are just trying to make it, you know, absolutely, and mm-hmm. they can't call off work or they, you know, they just don't have those opportunities. So that is, that is truly a blessing. um, Yeah. I I
2: have, I am very blessed in that. I have a, an amazing support system between, you know, my, my immediate family and then my um, extended family, like everybody on both sides lives in Cincinnati for me right now. So my mother, his mother, my brother, his, you know, so I have a lot of people around to support me. So between those people and people in organizations that I'm a part of my sorority, I have a huge support system. So and
1: what sorority are you awesome. in? We got to give them a shout out.
2: Oh, of course. I'm a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, Sigma Omega Chapter.
1: She's an AKA. <laughs> I am an AKA. <laughs>
2: nice. Yes. And, and so yeah, but they're also Again, a support system. Interestingly enough, I'm gonna pivot just a tiny bit absolutely since you opened up that door. <laughs> I'm also I'm also a member of the Lynx Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And the Lynx has a organ donation program that's one of our focus areas, uh-huh. which I didn't know before I joined, but I was so amazed and proud by the interest. And the dedication to the program mm-hmm. that the organization has. So, wanted to shout them out too, because they actually have a, a national program yes. uh, focused on organ donation. Yeah.
1: Yes. it's And it's interesting that you mentioned the links as well, because I was having a conversation with, um, I know there's two links chapters in Cincinnati, but mm-hmm. um, uh, Shelly Sherman Green. Yes okay so she and i are in another organization together called women's alliance and so she saw me pull up my laptop and she said andy you work for life center and i said yeah for like the last 16 years (laughs) (laughs) and so we just struck up this conversation about what you just said and so we're gonna we're gonna connect and work together um but it is I just I think that support that you spoke about it's so important, and to have organizations, especially national organizations like mm-hmm. the links um behind this, I think is really, really, really important, so yes,
2: um, well, especially since um I think you said this earlier, most of the people on the kidney and organ donation uh, the list waiting for transplants are people of color, yes, right, so. To, yes. We need to have the our the organizations that we're a part of be supportive and, and join in the fight. Yes, um, you know,
1: absolutely. And you know, as we were talking about people of color and them being most of most of the people waiting for kidneys are people of color. What I find just I I, I understand to a certain degree, but there's there's so much uncertainty around registering to be a donor or learning about being a living donor in our communities. Mm -hmm. And um, I was reviewing some data today, in fact, from UNOS on UNOS.org, and it said that in 2021, so far, there have been 3,876 living donors. Of that, 2,777 were white, and two hundred and seventy-four were African American. What? Yes.
2: Wow. I I, I yeah. Five
1: hundred and seventy-two were Hispanic and one hundred and fifty-seven were Asian. But
2: two hundred
1: and seventy-four wow. out of over three thousand eight hundred, and that just you know that just tells me there's there's a much bigger issue. I realize that you know I, there's there is this distrust of mm-hmm. our medical system. Um, mm-hmm. And and that goes very deep. Um, but at some point, you know, we've got to help ourselves because it's us that are being the most impacted. Right. And so I just, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that?
2: Well, I, I, so when you say there was only, there's 3,000, are you saying 3,000 people who were you said living donor became living donor. Okay. So So far this year. Yeah. I'd be interested in knowing what the number was for people who agreed, like the people you mentioned, the BMV folks Mm -hmm. who asked you, would you like to be a donor? I'd be interested in seeing that number because in my mind, that's where the distrust is. People feel like if I say, yes, I want to be an organ donor, then if something's wrong with me, they won't try as hard to save me. I've actually heard people say that they're not going to save me because they want my organs. And so I'd be really interested in the statistics on how many African Americans agree when they're renewing their license
1: to be registered. Yeah. Yeah. That, and unfortunately for us, so we get all this great data from the state of Ohio that tells us in the month of August so many people registered to be donors when they went to renew their license. What we can't, and we can break that down by age, age range, but we don't get, we don't get it broken down by ethnicity, uh, which is something I, I agree. I mean, I, I could say anecdotally, I, I definitely believe there are more people more Caucasians who register than people of color because of what, what you were just saying, that that trust factor. Right. Um, I was visiting some of our local BMVs this week, just trying to talk with their staff to learn more about what they're hearing. Um, and these are BMVs that serve more of a urban population. So predominantly African-American, African, Latino, and so a lot of what I heard overwhelmingly was that African-Americans truly believe that if they if they register to donate, then they're going to be killed for their organs.
2: Yes. Right. It's crazy. It is. I mean, and, you
1: know, I just it, it this, this is the, these are the things that keep me up at night, you know. Oh, sure. <laughs> like, like, you know, because we're so focused on doing education We're we're focused on really dispelling the myths. Cause you know, if you think about, if you really step back from that statement and think about it, you know, a physician's only responsibility is to save a patient's life. Right. And it's not until death has been declared that even donation becomes a part of that conversation. So we just, it just tells me there's still a lot to do, but I think that's why it's so important that we're Sharing stories like yours, um, just in hopes of helping people to really understand the difference they can make, you know. And right. So, but yeah, that that really blew my mind. I have to tell you, when I looked. That, at that is, day. that's
2: crazy. Yeah. Not, yeah. If you had told me to guess the percentage, I would have never guessed ten percent. Yep. Never. I, I would have said maybe. never. I would have never guessed only 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how, so you've had this, you know, you had this big shift in your health fairly recently. How, you know, and you're you're young, your mom, your wife, super smart woman who has a very accomplished career and just involved in your community. How has this, oh, wow! thank you. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you're absolutely
2: welcome. How has this impacted your life? So I think I've been forced to be more in tuned with my, my body. Mm-hmm. So there was a time in my life where I, my motto could have been, I'm just going to mm-hmm. push through. I'm just going to push through. I'm just going to push through. I'm going to ignore this. I got to get this done. But now I am very much one of those people who will say, you know what, I need to go take a nap or, you know what, I can't do that for you right now. Yeah. Or no, I'm not going to volunteer right now. Uh, no, it's taken a lot of practice because mm-hmm. I am one of those. Yep, I'll do it. I'll volunteer. I think <laughs> you, you know... strike
1: me as being that kind
2: <laughs> of person. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> me. And But I've had to say, you know, I, I can't. I just can't do it all. If I'm, I have to be fair to myself. Mm-hmm. I have to be fair to my my kids. It's, yes. it's not right for me to expend all of my effort and energy to the point where I'm now run down and not healthy. So I've had to be more in tune with myself. Obviously I stopped working. So that was also very, very difficult for me. Yeah, um, I'm sure. Yeah, because I just... I really liked my job. I really loved working at Procter & Gamble. I liked the people I worked with. And um, it was very difficult to walk away um, and say, I I just can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't manage working full-time and going to dialysis. It's just, it's just not going to work. So Mm -hmm. I I did have to stop working, which was hard. Our family travels a lot. So I feel like I told you this, but I'm not sure. But we lived in India. Yes. So did share that. I yeah, I had we like to travel. Mm -hmm. And so I can honestly say that the amount of travel that I've done in the last three years has declined slightly. Mm -hmm. But if I'm being honest, I probably still go more places than most people go. Probably. You know, because I just figure out a way to do it. Right. Um I, I told my mom, I'm like we're planning a trip to Europe for the kids. We're going to go. And Mm -hmm. my mom's like, how are you going to do dialysis? I'm like, I'm going to do it there. I mean, that's just, you just adjust. So I've had to make adjustments in how I manage things. Mm -hmm. It just takes a little more effort Mm -hmm. and, you know, dealing with the logistics of everything. Mm -hmm. But it's, everything is still doable. I still live my life. I just have to, Think about managing it differently. Mm-hmm. And the people that I meet that are early on dealing mm-hmm. with chronic kidney disease, I tell them that your life is not over. Right. Your life is going to change, absolutely. But your life is not over. And the more you, what's what I'm looking for, embrace that, mm-hmm. your life is not over, the better your health will be as well. Right. Um, your attitude really really has a huge impact on how your your disease progresses, I believe.
1: I I have heard that from multiple people who yeah, have been absolutely. in similar situations.
2: Mm-hmm. The attitude so, is
1: such a huge part of it. And how oh, you my approach. goodness it
2: is. Yeah. I, I I can't tell you how many people have met me and said, well you don't seem sick mm-hmm. or you don't seem like you have this this horrible disease. I'm like, oh yeah, I got it. But yeah. I mean, I don't let it have me.
1: That's right.
2: You know? So do you think
1: that part of the issue is with, with chronic kidney disease is that it's, it seems like it's one of those conditions where it's not, it's, you know, it's there, but if it's not really impacting your day to day, you kind of just, people tend to just push through. And then that kind of puts people in a, more difficult position of just, okay, here we are now. Now I've got to do, now I have to do dialysis or I've got to really, you know, go through the steps of getting worked up for a transplant, those types of things. Is it, is yeah. it like, cause it's so, it's not that you can ignore it, but that you kind of can't ignore it.
2: You yeah, you, you could absolutely ignore it. And that's exactly what I did. Cause
1: I've <laughs> heard people just like you said, they were in denial.
2: Mm-hmm. They were
1: like, no, I'm good.
2: Yeah. You can pretend that it's not happening because you physically, like your, your limbs don't ache. You don't have headaches. You don't, you know, you're not in any physical pain, Right. but at some point your kidneys, your your body will start to reject the toxins that are in your body. So then you will feel some physical discomfort from that. But if you are early enough in, if you're in the early stages of chronic kidney disease, you can act like nothing's going on, you know. I will say this too: the you you ignoring it has a horrible impact on your blood pressure, Mm. and that you will feel. You'll have headaches. You'll be tired. You know the and you never want to put your blood pressure in like you don't want to have super high blood pressure, because then that Mm -hmm. could lead to stroke, obviously. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that is one of those things that, you know, you can, you can ignore it, but other symptoms will creep in and force you to deal with it at some point.
1: Right. Okay. So I just want to, I don't always, I don't like to always go back because I think we just, we need to be present, but just if you, you know, you could tell your younger self, the Karen Green, who was Karen Green at the time, not Karen mm-hmm. Frost just yet, having a great time at The Ohio State University and also just starting to realize that there are some, some medical issues that are going to be a part of your life. What would you say to, to that Karen?
2: <laughs> so first I would tell that Karen to get more rest, to sleep more i don't I feel like I never really slept when I was in college, <laughs> you know I don't Me too. I don't know how I did that I, I'm <laughs> not sure how I did that, but I did not sleep. um I would say get rest. I would also say that there are some lifestyle changes in terms of exercise that I needed to start doing while I'm young and have the energy mm-hmm. um, for sure um I would also. Does it have to be health related? No. Okay. Whatever. I I think I could have done more in terms of community service and giving back and being involved. I I feel as young people, we're just naturally more self-centered and I am much more focused on helping others now Mm -hmm. than I was then, but I had more time to do it then than I do now. You know, I, I mean, obviously I have more time. Right. Presently because I'm not working. But I mean, like in my 30s, I was working, you know, raising kids and I wanted to do things, but I couldn't really because I didn't have the time. I would have I would tell my younger self in my 20s, you know, do this stuff now before you have kids, before you're married, mm-hmm. before you have a full time job. I I would love to have gotten more experience in the community service because the opportunities were there. I'm sure that has nothing to do with health. Yeah. But, um, but it yeah, also, so- it's
1: it's emotional health, I think, too, because I don't know about you, but when I'm able to help in other ways, there's there's kind of that sense of gratitude that you feel that,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you're giving back. And so I, I think, I don't know, I think it is a part of our emotional health. Yeah,
2: that's true. <laughs> that is very true. You're right. Yeah. You're right. So, yeah, sleep and exercise. And I mean, everyone ate like crap. Oh yeah, ate uh, horribly. Uh, when we were college. Wow. So I would definitely introduce myself to salads. I, I can tell I can tell you flat out the whole time I was at Ohio State, I didn't eat one salad, not one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I ate any vegetables at all. I don't think yeah. corn counts. Corn does not count as a vegetable. <laughs> so I would definitely uh, eat better <laughs> and you know, yeah. uh, with the exercise and rest thing. I just would have been a healthier Karen Green, yeah. I think.
1: Well, and, I, and the reason I asked that question was because, you know, there are, you know, it, yeah, who we are in our 20s is certainly not who we are in our 40s and we don't right. have that life experience. But I, I asked because I'm sure that there are people out there who are in their 20s and, and maybe kind of at the beginning of, a journey very similar to yours. And it's like, right. you know, what are these little things or that, you know, these small changes that may, you know, may help them along the way. So I, I appreciate you you sharing that. I think Thanks. it's important. Of course. I really, really Thanks. do. So prior to all of this, did, what were your thoughts? I mean, obviously, you have a connection because your dad received a kidney. Prior to that, were you a registered donor? Had you thought about donation?
2: Oh, I've always been, I've always said yes. Okay. Yeah. Now again, I've had lupus for so long. Right. I've always thought there's nothing on me that they would actually want because I mean, not even my eyes, because I mean, I wear glasses and I can't see at all. So I'm like, I don't know that they would want any of my body parts, but I am absolutely willing to be a donor. And I always have been.
1: And that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful decision that you made. And what I also wanted to find out is I noticed, because um, we're Facebook friends and I noticed uh, maybe a couple months ago, because uh, I had no idea and you, you bravely shared your story. Yeah, I did. And so what, what changed for you to decide to put that out and be so public?
2: Um, a couple of things. So I have a champion. They plant list. They ask you to designate a champion Mm -hmm. and that person is my mom. And so she and I, we talk about, we talked about putting my story out there a lot. Mm-hmm. and you know making signs and things like that and so my husband's very very he does, he keeps to himself mm-hmm. you know he's a very he's very extroverted but when it comes to like his business per se he doesn't put it out there like that so I hesitated because I, I he knows a lot of people that I know and I didn't mm-hmm. want him to be bombarded with questions that he didn't want to answer mm-hmm. um And then one day I asked him about it. And surprisingly, he's like, oh, my God, no, that wouldn't bother me at all. You know, please do whatever you need to do to get your story out there. And so that coupled with the fact that I had been on the list for multiple years, Mm -hmm. um, because honestly, I went into this thinking, oh, I'll be on the list for like six months to a year and then I'll get a kidney and life will go on,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
2: and the time just kept ticking. So, you know, between the time that I had been on the list and him saying, I'm like, yeah, move forward with it. I just decided to put it out there and see what would happen, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of people look at it because I get notified every time someone likes it or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I've been surprised by the number of people who've actually looked at it. Mm -hmm. um saw my invitation and it actually came and liked the page right so I mean I probably even still to this day about once a week someone new will like the page so Mm -hmm. that makes me feel good
1: that's great I mean it's that's I'm so glad to hear that um your mom is your kidney champion um Mm -hmm. because I was I was wondering because I I thought well like Karen must be her, Karen must be Karen's kidney champion because you just got to <laughs> put it out there. Um, but it's important to have that person. And, you know, your mom and I have communicated, we've talked about signs and that sort of thing. And so I just, I think that's so important to have someone who's, who is walking this with you and just kind of, kind of taking a little bit of the weight off of you. And the fact that it's your mom, I think is just, That's the icing on the cake for me, you know. Oh yeah,
2: my mom is awesome. (laughs) She's the best mom ever. I know Uh everyone thinks that about their mom, but my mom is pretty. She's pretty special. She's pretty. She's She's pretty pretty
1: awesome. (laughs) Great. Well, shout out to Miss Willa Green. It's Willa. Yes, (laughs) I remember. You're good. (laughs) I when I got her email, the first thing I thought, I was like, I wonder if this is Karen Green Frost's mother. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's And then I mom. just asked and it went on. From there, <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, I'm glad you guys connected. Yeah,
1: I am too.
2: So, I
1: guess one other question or a couple other questions. Did you find it difficult to kind of be vulnerable in that way and sharing that? Was that hard for you or were you just uh, like, I'm doing this?
2: No, not, n- no. Good. No, I'm very comfortable telling my story good. Um, I'm not embarrassed by any of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that honestly, this wasn't something that I caused It just kind of happened. Right. And there's a lot of other people who are dealing with the same thing. And I thought, honestly, obviously I would love to get a kidney. Mm -hmm. I would love to get a kidney, but when someone at my dialysis center gets a kidney, I am so excited. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for them. Because it gives me hope. And so I wanted to tell my story to get awareness for myself, but also to get awareness for other people. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can't receive a kidney through someone seeing my Facebook post, maybe the person who sits next to me Mm can. Right. Right. So that's kind of how I thought about it. I never really hesitated the only reason I hesitated was, honestly, was Damon. Was Damon? But, yeah, yeah. That was that was it. But yeah. I mean, and he actually thought I was silly for thinking that. But <laughs> I mean, I just I know how he, I know how he is. I've, yeah. I've known him for a long time, but right. I was wrong in this case. So okay. I was happy to be wrong. Right? Exactly.
1: <laughs> surprised. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So on those days where it's tough or those moments. How do you, how do you, you said earlier, you just, you would push through, but what, what, what helps you? What guides you?
2: I, in general, I have a very positive outlook on life. Mm -hmm. I have led an amazingly blessed life. I, 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 this is going to sound weird, but I know I'm loved by a lot of people, my family members, my sorority sisters, my link sisters. I know there are people that love and care about me. Mm -hmm. So when I start to feel depressed or sad, I mean, there are days when I do feel sorry for myself Mm -hmm. because I've dealt with a lot of very crappy things in my Mm -hmm. life, just health wise. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know that I'm blessed beyond measure with healthy children, a home you know, food in the refrigerator. I mean, there's so many Mm -hmm. things I am thankful for. And knowing that there are people who don't have what I have health-wise, family-wise, support-wise, home. I mean, it just, it's hard to stay depressed for long. And I have this attitude where I'm like, this is only temporary, Mm -hmm. you know, at some point. Yes, at some point, I will get a kidney mm-hmm. and life will go on, mm-hmm. you know. And until then, life will go on, you life, know?
1: Life, Right, right, life so, is going uh, on, right. Yeah, I
2: just try <laughs> really hard. And it's not, I was, about to say, I was about to say, I try very hard to have a positive attitude, but it's not that hard. Right. You just have a positive attitude, you know. I, I try to not to be around people who are negative. And give off negative vibes. I don't have I don't have the energy, time, patience. And that's something I think we've learned as we've gotten older. Yes, (laughs) it's such an important lesson. When you're younger, you deal with people that you are like, "Why am I friends with you?" But yeah, so I'm at the point now where I'm like, if if you if you have a negative outlook and you're always whining, I don't I don't I can't have you in my life because I can't have that negativity in my life
1: you know absolutely and does your faith play a big role
2: it does i think so because of covid we don't go to church as much Mm -hmm. as we did but my belief in higher being is for me greater than any like building or person or church right Right. i believe that there is a god who watches over us and protects us, and guides us. And I'm trying to think of the right word. The word that keeps coming to my mind is coaches us, mm. but that that's not the right word. Well, I know that he tells me what to do. Yes. The question is whether or not I listen. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and so I absolutely believe that the only reason I'm here today is because, because the Lord decided that it was not my time. Right. I have been on my deathbed more times than I, share, I care to count and have come out of it. I had, <laughs> I had COVID in oh. January of 2020.
1: Oh my goodness.
2: So- um, Oh my goodness, Karen. The pe- my family calls me patient zero. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I was so deathly ill. I was intubated <sighs> twice- and um, I was oh. in the hospital for like six weeks, mm. and most of it I don't remember because I was mm. like sedated most of the time. But they didn't know that it was COVID at that point, oh. right? Because they didn't. Start that was right about at COVID. It. Yes, it right They at the didn't end. start talking about it until like March of 2020. But in January, I was in the hospital, and they they came out and they said, my husband said, "They said your wife has coronavirus." So they didn't know about COVID at this point, but they knew it was coronavirus. And I was, actually, I was at dialysis and I wasn't breathing. So the people at dialysis had to call the ambulance to take me to the hospital and my family met us there. I don't recall any of that. I don't recall anything that happened that day. But I have, again, have, have had some... Really interesting health scares mm. and have come through it. And when I see my doctors now that saw me at that point, they're like, first of all, we don't understand how you made it through that. Right. Right. But you just, it looks like night and day. Right. And I know, I know, I know, I know it was it, the Lord yeah. decided, listen. She's not done raising these girls yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I need to make sure that this one stays around
0: Mm -hmm.
2: for her, for her family. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the only reason why I'm here because I mean, how many people have died from COVID? I know, you know, with me having all these health issues, Mm -hmm. I pull through after being on the vent twice, you know?
1: Wow. That is, that is a miracle.
2: It is. It is. God is good. I say it all the time. God is
1: good all the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. So, Karen, if someone is interested in being tested to be your kidney donor, how might they go about that?
2: So, there is a kidney transplant team at Christ Hospital, Mm -hmm. and oh my goodness, if you can't, forgive me, I can look up the number, but they will, there's a donor coordinator that you can call Mm -hmm. that can take your information and start the process to be fair it is and you're aware of this it is a very rigorous involved process with physicals blood tests all those things and it's not a short process it's Mm -hmm. not like you call and they will you know, get you worked up and then next week you can donate, you know, it could be months before, you know, you can donate. Okay. So here we go. Oh, wait. Oh, I thought I had it in here. I'm looking it up now too. Yeah. I thought I put it in here, but I didn't. I'm looking on the. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. So it's the woman's name is Jessica Ratcliffe R A T. C C L I F F. Her number is 513-585-1427. And her email is Jessica R-A-T, C-L-I-F-F at the Christhospital.com.
1: Got it. Wonderful.
2: I knew I had it in here somewhere.
1: <laughs> I'm glad that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I want to thank you for for just sharing your your life with us today. You you just you you're a person that um, is resilient. You're strong. Um, you have it seems a wonderful support system in your family and your community. And I think that by talking today, you're giving people um, hope who are in similar situations. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today.
2: I appreciate you inviting me. It it really has been fun um, meeting you and getting to know you. And um, I appreciate the opportunity to share my story.
1: Well, thank you. So as we close the show today, I want you to think about this fact there are more than 90,000 men, women, and children in need of life-saving kidney transplants in our country today. And we're fortunate to be able to speak with Karen Frost and and learn more about her personal journey with transplant. And keep in mind, 90,000, that's a huge number, but that huge number represents a lot of people. People who live in our communities, who work in our communities, who worship, we worship with them. They have children, they have grandchildren, husbands and wives, um, just people living their lives and trying to live a purposeful and fulfilling life. And perhaps they wanna leave this world a little better than it was for their children, our children and generations to come. So I urge you to think about how you can help in this process. Um, If you're not registered to be a donor, seek out the information, seek out the facts, learn what the myths are, educate yourself and do research. Do research about understanding what a donor truly means. You can speak with your medical professional or someone that has gone through the process or is going through the process. Um, There's so much information out there and that's how we learn. It's just really by sharing our own personal stories and that's how we grow. Um, so please register to be an organ tissue donor. Um, the vast majority of the more than 100,000 people on that waiting list are people in need of life-saving kidney transplants, just like Karen. I want to thank everyone for listening today. Please be kind to yourself and to others.
0: Thank you. This episode is brought to you by LifeSetter. Are you interested in saving someone's life by becoming a living donor? You have the potential to help save and enhance the lives of others, those who suffer from chronic illness or the effects of traumatic events. Statistics have shown that a new name is added to the national waiting list every 10 minutes. You have the opportunity to help others and save lives. You have the power to donate life. By offering a kidney or a portion of the liver, living donors offer their loved one or friend an alternative to waiting on the National Transplant Waiting List for an organ from a deceased donor. Today, the number of living donors is more than 7,300 per year, and one in four of these donors is not biologically related to the recipient. Go to Life, pass it On for more information. Thanks to Life Center for their continued support. Thank you for listening to This Thing Called Life. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcast to make sure you get updates on all new episodes. And we would truly appreciate it if you would share, like, or give us a review to help us grow.